Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Episode 34. And we like to score. Oh, beat you with a rhyme. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So what's new? Pussycat. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, you're not listening to the voice. You're listening to a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. First off, I have to say... We met our Patreon goal, our first one. And there may have been some tears shed. Uh, Yeah. Happy tears, Avi. I mean, I would have jumped up and down, but you know my back. Ain't nobody jumping up in this house (laughs) unless that damn mouse comes out and then I am fucking going to look like Flash. Or the R word. True, true. That thing, too. Mm Mm-hmm. But seriously, thank y'all so much. Like, we did not ever think we would make this goal. No. Much less the goal have gone, like, progressed, you know? Like, holy crap. So we just hope to continue growing, and that next goal is going to help us get new mics so that we can be more comfortable (laughs) when we record. New mics, but also stuff that we can have some guests Mm -hmm. and everything from now on, like, we cover our cost. Yes. Which is amazing. Woo! It's like, this is no longer a hobby because we're not paying for it. Right. You know? Like, it's legit. I'm real legit. Yeah. Next step, new mics so I don't have to take <laughs> ibuprofen before every episode. <laughs> um, legit, there's a bottle of ibuprofen on the desk. Yes. That I take every time because my back hurts. <laughs> Yes, she wants Madonna mics. I need Madonna mics so that I can kick back and not hurt. But also, like, lavalier mics so we can do some on-location stuff. Damn, you fancy with that word, lavalier mics. (laughs) I thought they were, like, lapel mics. Oh, well, I'm sure that's another word, but... Lavalier. Hold on, let me get my lavalier. (laughs) Oh, you know, that's how we do it. But, yeah, I'm... Like, super excited that we could do on location Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. stuff. So, thank you, Mama L, for joining. Yes. And thank you, Lindsay W. And Jenny G for upping your Patreonage and helping us reach this freaking goal. Y'all are the best. Yes. So, thank you, thank you, thank you. Like, I, I, I know that I say this like every episode when we talk about this. So, it's like, okay, Carrie, we get it. But, geez, this is real life. I know. So crazy. And we are so thankful. So this past weekend, we had two Halloween parties. Yes, after Halloween. <laughs> our friends did not get the memo that it was done. So we went over to our friend Sabria's house because her birthday is actually on Halloween. I know. Lucky bitch. I know. <laughs> and so I went as a serial killer. And if you saw the pictures, we posted the pictures in the group on Facebook. And I had just had like a white t-shirt, put some blood on it, and put little packets of actual cereal on it. (laughs) Meanwhile, everybody's question was, does it still have the cereal in it? (laughs) And I was like, no, I've got it on my counter to eat later. (laughs) Waste not, won't not. Still haven't eaten it. Still on my counter. (laughs) Hey, it's sealed, so hopefully the mouse doesn't get it. If Stop, don't even bring that little <laughs> asshole up. And then Donna, tell them what you were. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. And I'll pass the mic to you. You're my wait, girl. Can't wait till we get our new mic so I don't have to share one. <laughs> Just kidding. We don't share one. We don't share anything. No. 
I was Ghost in the Burbs, you know, like my favorite podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than this one. I duh. <laughs> so we found everything at Michael's. Oh, and <sighs> we have a problem. And Joanne's. Mm-hmm. We do have a problem, but it was all like. 80% off. Mm-hmm. So. I don't buy shit full price anymore. No. So. If it's full price, fuck that. Uh-huh. And if you didn't see the picture, I had like a headband that Carrie, with hot glue, that girl can create anything. And by that, she means a hot glued cereal packages to my shirt. <laughs> and a hat. I mean, a, a little house to a Dollar Tree headband and uh-huh. put that shit on her head. And. My ghost eyes that were basically on my boobs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She wore a white shirt, and then we got black felt and cut out, like, mm-hmm. a little, like, ghost eyes and mouth. Yeah. Hot glued that. And then I had some trees on my shoulder, so it was, like, you know, the suburbs. hmm One house and six trees <laughs> makes the suburbs. Yes. So, no one got it because they haven't heard of that podcast. Losers. Just right. <laughs> I mean, at least they do listen to ours. So... But they're behind, so this will be, like, four months, and then they're going to be like, oh, okay. But I would be like, "It's I'm a haunted house. Mm-hmm. And then I told Carrie, I was like, hey, if I take off my headband, I'm a haunted forest. Mm-hmm. I mean, heller. And then. Oh, oh yeah, and she had a knife uh, for her serial killer thing, which she got on sale. Yes. Yeah, I went to, um, what's that place called? Spirit Halloween. Yeah, I went to Spirit Halloween, and... Got there legit with one hour to go. Didn't know they were closing for the season that night because it was the day after Halloween and they closed in one hour. And so I got that in the blood. Yeah. And oh, and I had it because I was holding it for her. And I was like, now I'm Amityville. I was like, four freaking costumes in mm-hmm. one. You're welcome. <laughs> oh, and then the next night we went to her brother and sister in law's house and. <laughs> This one was way by far my favorite. We first of all, our costumes were so fucking easy. We just oh wore my clothes. God, yes, <laughs> and did our hair cuckoo. I went as Eileen Warnos, and Donna was Tyra Moore, yep. her girlfriend, and it was so easy. We had to do a make under. Uh huh. Yeah, had to. Okay, because I have curly hair. All the yeah. people who are like, oh, my God, y'all are going to way too much detail. But so I have curly hair. So what I did was I wore it curly that day to work and then just round brushed it out and then just like <laughs> sprayed it. So it would have that like how she like did her hair back, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. She found clothes for us at a discount place. Y'all, I do not wear shit with collars. She, you looked like this. you had on a bowling shirt. I did, right? I will never wear that shirt again. No, it was $3, though. Yeah. It was, mm, yeah. And Carrie made my hair into, like, a mullet. It was the best. (laughs) So funny. And we didn't have to wear makeup. Like, we couldn't wear makeup. No, that was the best part. Like, I told Donna, I was like, man, my eye was itching. And then I was like, I can scratch my eye. (laughs) And, like, and scratch it well, because I don't have a mascara. So, anyway, we had a lot of fun this past weekend. Yes. And hopefully you have fun on this episode. You ready, Freddie? I'm ready. Hit me with that story. Okay. Have you ever heard of the murderous couple, Frederick and Rosemary West? No, but is it going to piss me off like that other oh, couple? Absolutely. fucking Oh, my gosh. Like, why? Girl, 
Let me take my blood pressure medicine. Sit back, prop your feet up, and get ready to get pissed. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We don't really give a shit about his history other than, I mean, like, oh, he was born, blah, blah, blah. He was born an asshole. Wait, he was born out of an asshole? No, that's not possible. <laughs> he was an asshole. Oh, okay. He was born into, the, the family was pretty poor. They were farmers, um, very close-knit. His father was a, quite the disciplinarian. His mom was very overprotective. The house that, the, well, the cottage that he grew up in had no electricity and was heated with log fireplace. And he was born in 1941. Girl, that was my next question. What year is this? He was born in 41. All the kids had their own chores. They had to do different seasonal work. Of course, because they, they lived on a fucking farm. Like, uh, uh, duh. And so they did go to school. Fred, like a lot of his classmates remember him being kind of like a lethargic kid. Which you don't hear very often, but of course the OT in me is like, oh, because he had sensory issues. He's lethargic because he has sensory integration or sensory modulation problems, but whatevs. He got in trouble a lot. It said that he was barely even literate, but he was really good at like woodworking and artwork. He left school at age 15. He says that when he was 12, is when he had his first sexual encounter and it was with his mother. <gasps> and that in his, mm-hmm, and that in his early teens, lots of acts of bestiality. Um oh my gosh. Girl, wait. Ugh. And that his father had sex with his sisters. What the fuck? But his brother, Doug, says, um, that's not fucking true. Okay. Or is Doug hiding it because he doesn't want anyone to know? Maybe. And he wants to be like the normal person. Or he doesn't know because maybe he was the only one that didn't have that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So right around his 17th birthday, right after it, he got a motorcycle and had a wreck. And guess what? Head injury. Yep. So, he had a broken arm, leg, was unconscious for seven days. Fuck. Had to have braces on his legs for months, walking and stuff. And then... And then he was like uh, Forrest Gump, and he was like running, and they just came off. How the hell you know that? You ain't ever seen that movie. I've seen pieces. And by that, I mean on games, like board games that have uh-huh. the thing. Like, like Encore? It. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not Encore. Encore. Not Encore. So, after his accident, he had a big old fear of hospitals and, like, would have fits of rage after his brain injury. So, two years later, he had another head injury when he tried to grope a girl on a fire escape. And she punched him and he fell two flights. Oh, my god! First of all, you fucking go, bitch. Yes. Can I say bitch? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And, I mean, you know, double dose to do you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for real, for done, real. Done, son. In 1961, this part, okay, let me preface this with, again, different articles said different things, but I'm going to tell you both of them. 1961, so he's 20. His 13-year-old sister told their mother that he had been raping her for about six months. Oh, my god! And that she was pregnant. <gasps> He was later arrested, and he said that 
when he was arrested that he had been molesting young girls since his early teens. And his response was, doesn't everybody do it? Oh, my god! And so they say that, like, his idea of this incest as normalcy is because of his father and his mother. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's like, well, maybe it was a little bit true about his parents. Right. I don't know. So his parents were like basically disowned him. So that's also kind of the piece of did they really do it because they disowned him when it happened. But then about a year later they reconciled and blah 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 blah. To me that's like them saying like, "Oh my god, no." So people you know would get thrown yeah. off and at the heat of it they're not going to be investigated. True. You know what I mean? The other story is that his parents' friends accused him of molesting their 13-year-old daughter. Oh, not gosh. Like, not his sister, his, you know what I mean? Like, another yeah. family's 13-year-old daughter, and that she was pregnant with Fred's kid, and that, so, either way, the, like... Underage, pregnant. And his First family... mom. Yeah. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> But his, you know, his family, dis- either way, his family disowned him, blah, 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 blah. But they also said that, like, even though he was charged with the molestation, he didn't serve any jail time because of, they blamed it on the head wound. And then another, like, his previous head injuries. And then the other, one of the other articles I read said that the girl refused to take the stand. Oh, wow. That happened in June 1961. So, roughly a year later... June, I mean, September 1962, he met a girl, well, reacquainted with a girl that he knew, Catherine Bernadette Castillo, and she went by Raina. So they had met, like, at a dance hall a couple years before that, dated off and on, but she had gone back to Scotland, but then she, while she was in Scotland, she had become pregnant, but it was by... A leprechaun? No. A guy who is Pakistani. And so, in that day and time, it was a mixed-race child. And so, she relocated back to England. Because this happens in England, BT dubs. Um, (laughs) She relocated back to England just because the stigma would not have been as bad in England as it would have been in Scotland. Per this article. Okay. I don't know. I didn't live there then. So, she ended up marrying Fred. And the only person that came to their wedding was Fred's younger brother, John. That's a red flag. Whoa. One of many. So, they moved in with Fred's aunt. He was an ice cream van driver. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, put a pedophile in a van with ice cream. Like, that's literally a cliche. I know. I know. But shout out to my old ice cream truck driver in Mobile when... Like, that's where I spent all my summer. Mm-hmm. Like, he still asked about us. No. That man must be a vampire because he was like... A hundred? Yes. One, how, how did he drive that? How do you know who drove your thing? I don't... It didn't come around that often here. Oh, girl. It came all the time there. You know what my favorite thing was, though? I feel like we've had this conversation before. That damn... Glove, softball yes. glove with the bubblegum mm-hmm. baseball in the middle. Mm-hmm. It's that a softball so glove with a baseball. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but anyway. Yes. But anyway. Yes. Oh, my God. One, because he, like, had his retirement in in one stop. Because, 
I mean, it was... All the Elwins got candy. I mean, ice cream. Yes. While they were living with Fred's aunt, Raina, his wife, had the daughter that she was pregnant with when they got married. Okay. Charmaine. Okay. And so, in order to, like, explain her her being mixed, they said that Raina had had a miscarriage, so they adopted Charmaine. Because that's believable. Wait, like they try to tell her aunt that his aunt that they try to tell everybody in life. Like, but, I mean, even his aunt. I don't know. I wasn't there. Like, it's just what they had told the people. Okay. In 1964, they had a daughter named Anna Marie together. Some stuff calls her Anne Marie, but a lot of stuff says Anna. They had a nanny named Issa McNeil. So the word on the street was that Raina had a hard time having two kids and that Frank was really harsh on the kids and that he kept the girls in the bottom of like of a bunk bed with bars fitted like so that they couldn't ever get out and that they were only out allowed out when he was at work. What? Yeah. So basically they're like that family that was just found. Yeah. Like a year ago now. Mm Mm-hmm. So, through this nanny, they were able to meet 16-year-old Anne McFall. So, she was in a pretty bad place because her boyfriend had just died from an accident while at work. Oh, fuck. And so, she started hanging out with them and, you know, whatever. Well, what does a pedophile do when he's got a 16-year-old in his house? He started having an affair with her. And he ended up having... Is he cute? No. Okay. He's not, like, unfortunate, but he's not that cute. Okay. Like, you wouldn't look at him and be like, oh, my God, he gets all these women. (laughs) But you also wouldn't look at them and go, they're serial killers. Right. He had a ton of affairs and had one kid with some random woman. And then when his wife found out about the infidelity, she decided that she was going to have an affair with a guy named John McLaughlin. Because two wrongs make a right. I mean, duh. <laughs> so when Fred found them, like one time, when the article was like, one of the articles was like, he found them in, in an embrace. So when he, okay, so picture this. Fred walks up and sees Raina and John, like, hooking up. Mm-hmm. He punches Raina. And so... John was like, oh, fuck no, and punched Fred. Fred draws a knife and grazes John's stomach. Then John punches him again, like really fucking hard, and Fred cowers like a fucking coward. (laughs) He cowered like a coward. Old McLaughlin was like, yeah, this motherfucker can hit a woman, but as soon as a man stands up to him, he cowers down. So, John and Raina continue having their affair. <laughs> and then, just like, just throughout their affair, he keeps seeing all these bruises and black eyes and all of this that she has. And then, he had had enough of Fred beating her up. And so, he goes and beats Fred up. One time, he said that he saw Charmaine, who was at this point like a toddler, ask Fred for some ice cream from his van And when she asked for it, he hit her across the head. Oh, my gosh. And so, John McLaughlin beat the shit out of him again. So, on November 4th, 1965, 
He was in his van in Glasgow, and he ran over and killed a little boy. <gasps> what? Yeah, he was cleared of any wrongdoing. Like it was, I think it really was just like a tragic accident. But he was really scared of the reaction from the neighbors, like that he was going to be like stoned. I don't know. And so he was like, okay, we're moving. So after the accident, he and his family moved to Gloucester with Charmaine and Anna Marie, the kids. Uh huh. So they rented a caravan or a camper, what we know about it here in the States. And then later, Raina joined them. Also, so did the two nannies. Anne and How are they Lisa. affording these? I don't think they actually are. So, both of the nannies were from, like, really poor backgrounds. And so, they were going with them in hopes that they would find work, too. Like, it wasn't like they were just going to, like, he, you know what I mean? Yeah. They weren't, like, what we think of as, like, a nanny. Okay. So, as before, prone to mood swings, super dominant and controlling. At around this point is when it's reported that he started sexually abusing Charmaine. No. And that he basically, they say encouraged, a.k.a. made Raina become a sex worker to support him. Whoa. Yep. How old was Charlemagne? Charmaine. Oh. No, no. <laughs> Churched it up a little bit. <laughs> Charlemagne. <laughs> I don't know. Because in the, I would say this is pure speculation. Five or six. Oh, fuck. No, Fred, no. Let me let me go back and make sure. Also, in my head, I was like, okay, it's Charlemagne. Mm-mm. No. Oh, okay. I was like, no, yeah. that's not her name. In my head, it was Charlemagne because Charmaine. 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 But in my head, I was going Charmaine, and I was like, that's how it's spelled. But I was like, no, that's Charmander, and that's from, that's from uh, Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go. (laughs) How did you know? (laughs) Because you go, Carrie, go slower. Let me catch this Charmander. (laughs) Yeah, of course I did it while we were driving. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, I don't play anymore. But that. So in my head, I was like. And I was wrong. I tried to go another way and still was wrong. So Raina's over it. She's like, fuck this. I'm tired of the abuse. I'm tired of all this shit. And she called John McLaughlin to come rescue her. And he was like, okay, I've followed you anyway. No. He was like, okay. So John, Raina, and Issa came up with the plan. And that John McLaughlin and Issa's boyfriend, John Trotter, so many names, I'm sorry. John John. Mm-hmm. That they would, like, secretly drive up and take them back to Scotland. Well, when it came time for the escape, Anne McFall, the other, quote, nanny who was there, had spilled the beans to Fred. Why? Because she was in love with him. Oh, gosh. And Well, she should be like, yeah, y'all go. Right? Like, let me be here. Well, why would she, though, if Raina's being a sex worker to support him? True. True that. That's what she was doing. She was like, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Because I'd be next. And I only have my eye. It's only fixed on one dong. Mm-hmm. So, 
of course, the, an altercation happened. Fred was beat the fuck up again. The police were called. And then all four of the ones who were trying to leave left. And Fred told Raina that if he ever sees her again, he's going to kill her. Meanwhile, the kids are still with Fred. Wait. Raina left them? Yep. So. Whoa. The way that she tried to check on their well-being and make sure that they were being treated decently, which I feel like. Um, I know. That's not even a thing. I know. She would go to England to, because remember, they went back to Scotland. So she would go back to England to check on Charmaine and Anna Marie while they lived there. Initially, she was like, okay, you know, and being there and taking care of my kids, that's great. You know, at least they have a motherly kind of influence. But then eventually she was like, no, fuck this girl. This girl's over there trying to raise my kids like they're her own. And so... As a way to get her back, she stole some stuff from Fred's camper. And then, so she was arrested later on for it. She was sentenced to three years for probation. This is so convoluted. Oh, and it's so many names. So I'm sorry, y'all stick with me with the names. So after the trial and all of that, they ended up moving their camper to Glasgow. In July of 1967, Anne McFall, she was 18 years old at this point. She was eight months pregnant with Fred's kid, and she up and vanished like a fart in the wind. Oh, my God. She was never reported missing. He killed her? But years later, like, I'm talking 1994, her body was found. Oh, fuck. Dismembered. Oh, shit. And her limbs had been disarticulated. All of her fingers were missing. Wait, disarticulated? Like at like the at joint. The elbow, okay. Like at the joints. Her fingers were missing? And they thought that likely kept as keepsakes, like trophies. Her baby had been cut from her womb. Oh, my gosh. Later, it's... Well, I'm going to kind of foreshadow the foreskin. Later, Fred confided in someone that he had stabbed her to death in an argument. However... Her wrists were found with, like, dressing gown wrapped around them, like oh a cord. Gosh. and Like, that she had been restrained prior to the murder. Yeah. Whoa. So, it's, like, clearly, it wasn't, like, this crime of passion. Right, right, right. She was fucking subdued and yeah, whatever. Because, restrained. Because he is a little liar. <laughs> murderer. <laughs> All of the above, but he has no newts. You know, like... No what? No nudes. Nuts. Balls. Oh. <laughs> I was like, no nudes? Like, he's into porn? What? No, nudes. I don't know. Did no one else ever say that? I've never heard of it, but I'm sure you're not the only one. <laughs> well, my mom and my brother would say it. Oh, God. They probably fucking made that up. <laughs> but, of course, he had to have them subdued. Mm-hmm. Because if they ever even just, like, tried to put up a fight, he would cry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a month after that, after she went missing and nobody reported her missing, Raina came back to live with him. Oh, my God. Wait. So Raina was in on it, too? So at first they were... (laughs) Don't you love it when I don't answer your questions? By not answering, you answer. Do I, though? 
Oh. Dun, dun, dun. Now that's foreshadowing the foreskin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so everything was good for a little bit, but then she was like, uh, fuck this, I'm not over it again. <laughs> Left the kids with him. Then at this t- at this point, old girl's missing. Sort of. Nobody technically knows, but she's gone. His wife is gone, and so he's left with the kids on his own, and he's like, fuck this, and he puts them in foster care. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, you know what? That's the best thing for them. Mm-hmm. Like, I cannot believe he put them in foster care. I know. Okay, we're going to put Fred on hold for a second. So now we're going to go back to Rosemary Let's West. Oh, yeah. Who was that? You don't know yet. Oh, okay. So she she was born Rosemary Litz. Okay, listen to this shit. Her mom, while she was pregnant, had pretty bad depression. So they gave her the ECT, like the electroconvulsant therapy or whatever, while she was pregnant. Oh, shit. Uh Uh-huh. That's a fucking lawsuit right there. So blah, 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 horrible childhood, blah. Um... (laughs) I mean, there's yes. so much of the story, like, we can't spend time on that, those details. They really both did have a shitty childhood. Two different versions of this, of the meeting. But when Rose was 15 years old, she met Fred, who was 27. One thing said, they met at a bus stop. Rose was like, a oh, fuck you. She wasn't interested. He was, like, in a camper, and... He really loves that camper. Mm-hmm. And he was like, look, let's go out a couple of nights. Like, you'll love it. Blah, blah, blah. You don't like it. Cool. She was like, all right. So then they started dating. Her father was like, um, absolutely not. You're 28. She's, because this time he turned 28 now. You're 28. She's 15, 16. I'm going to call social services on you. Yeah. And so Rose was like, mm, nope. I love him. And left with him. Oh, my gosh. However. So, wait, where is Raina in this? Like, so this was, she's she's off off doing that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Another thing said that they met right after her 15th birthday and that they met at the bus stop or bus station. And then initially she was completely repulsed by him because he just was very, like, disheveled and he thought she was a sex worker. Damn. It said, like, one thing was, like, she became quickly flattered by his attention. He gave her free ice cream. Mm-hmm. Like, one thing said that she refused him a couple of times. He was like, no, 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 but I'm great. And that he found out she had never had a boyfriend, but that she was really promiscuous. And so he also tried to gain sympathy from her by saying that he had these two kids that were abandoned by his wife. And that he wanted more kids. And... Yada, yada, yada. It doesn't really matter. Either way, they end up together. Oh, my gosh. She starts to care for his two kids, or his daughter and his stepdaughter. So, by 1970, Rose was pregnant with their kid. Oh, gosh. Mm-hmm. And so, they had their first daughter, Heather. She was born in 1970. So, at this time, Rose is working as a sex worker, often while Fred watched it is said that she actively encouraged him to sexually abuse Anna Marie. Oh, my gosh. Like, from the time that she was about eight years old. Oh, my gosh. Allegedly, Rose would sex- sexually abuse Anna Marie as well. 
Then I can't with this story. Mm-hmm. Anna Marie was also forced to work as a sex worker, and that Rose would tell her that she was lucky that she got to do it. What? Okay. One of Rose's most frequent clients was her father. Wait. His name was Bill, and he had been having sex with her since she was 13. Rose ultimately was the, like, had eight kids. Eight kids? Mm -hmm. Five were from Fred, and three were from other, like, her clients. Oh, my God. It's also reported that, you know how they, I said that they made Anna Marie work as a sex worker? Mm -hmm. That Rose's dad, Bill, would have sex with her, too. What the fuck? In January of 1973, Fred and Rose were fined for indecent assault on Carolyn Owens, who escaped from their home when she was attacked. And so what they would do was they would pick girls up from bus stops and then take them to their home and hold them there. And they let this girl go. Well, what do you do after that when somebody reports you to the police? You stop letting them go. Mm Mm-hmm. So after Heather was born, a couple of months later, Fred was arrested for taking some tires off of, like, theft of car tires. God, I worded that stupid. And so he was in prison for a couple of months. And so she was responsible, Rose was responsible for taking care of the kids at that point. So while Fred was in prison, Rose would take the kids to see him in prison. But not long after their last visit on June 15th, Charmaine is missing. Oh, fuck. They used some forensics later, forensic odontology, to confirm that Charmaine had died while Fred was still in jail. So, Rose would explain Charmaine's disappearance by basically saying that she had gone to live with her mother. So, they told, like, the school and all of that that she moved back to London with her mother. Then Fred was released from prison. So, initially, Charmaine's body was kept in the coal cellar of the house. Oh, my God. They love to do that. Mm -hmm. But when Fred got out of prison, he buried her in the yard close to the back door of their flat. Fuck. And he later was adamant that he had not dismembered the body. But later, an autopsy said that she had been severed at the hips, but that that that, that damage could have been caused by work that he did on the house, like... Construction work having, like, hurt her bones, you know? But her patella, fingers, wrist, toe, and ankle bones were all missing from her skeleton. So, making them think that he had kept them for keepsakes. Yeah. So, Rose killed her. He buried her. So, Raina had gone to talk with Fred to confront him to say, like, look, I want fucking custody of these kids. I'm tired of all this. And that was the last time she was seen alive. Oh, fuck. It's believed that she was murdered by strangulation. They think in the back of Fred's truck. So when they found her remains, it showed that she had been restrained and sexually assaulted. Oh, fuck. Her body was also dismembered and placed into plastic bags and was buried. Wow. So not long after Raina was murdered... Fred and Rosemary got married. They he had put on his the marriage certificate that he was a bachelor. What? Mm-hmm. 
Wow. Yep. They bought this three huge, big three-story home. They made the top two floors into like a like lodging, kind of like a bed and breakfast type thing, so that they could supplement their income. And so, they, in order to have like a little bit of privacy, they kind of had their own area. They put like all like basically the kitchen in places where the lodgers could get to it, but they would be separate from. Yeah. Them. They had a little garden. Blah blah blah. They had their second daughter named May June. <laughs> And then they had July, August. She was born on June 1st. So I think that she was, but it's oh. M-A-E, but whatever. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so after. <laughs> Dad, I thought that was funny. <laughs> Maybe she went into labor in May and then was had her in June. So it was June 1st and said, May, June. Uh-huh. That's such a good name. We're so fucking witty. Look how clever we are there, Fred. I mean, they were basically a pair of normal chicks. Bunch. As I said before, Rose was a sex worker. She advertised in magazines in the area. She would also have sex with male and female lodgers that they had at the house. And that apparently she liked to brag that no man or woman could completely satisfy her. And that... She started getting more and more into, like, BDSM type stuff okay. with suffocating and using, like, large dildos and that sort of thing, which, again, this is, like, the early 70s. Yeah. So, they really started getting into fetishes, and they were doing, like, had a lot of pornography and restraints, and they had, a, like, a lot of their porn had bestiality and... It was in child porn, too, which is awful. Oh, my God. Creatures of fucking habit because mm-hmm. that's what their whole life has been. They're, like, the place where Rose would have sex with the clients had peepholes hidden throughout so that he could watch. Wow. Like, without them knowing. Wow. They even had a separate doorbell to the house that Rose's clients rang. And she said, you rang? Anne-Marie, or Anna-Marie, their, his daughter, got the brunt of a lot of things. Fuck. When she was eight years old, Fred and Rose made her go into the cellar and told her to undress. So, Rose, t- like, was, like, tearing the dress off of her. And when they noticed that she was being, like, shy and hesitant, obvi, she's eight years old. Right. And her fucking dad and stepmom are undressing her. Right. They stripped her down completely, bound her and gagged her to the mattress. Oh, my gosh. And Fred raped her. Oh, my God. And then Rose was right there just encouraging him on. How did people just find each other like that? I don't know. So, they told Anna Marie that, quote, everybody does it to every girl. And it's a father's job. Don't worry and don't say anything to anybody. So they would both sexually assault her. They would make her wear like skimpy clothes and sex toys while she was cleaning the house. Oh my gosh. When she was 13 is when they started making her work as a sex worker. They would tell the clients that she was 16, and then Rose would stay in there while she was with her clients to make sure that she did not tell them her true age. Wow. And yeah, then, not for protection no. of her. Oh, fuck no. Wow. 
And then one time, Rose took her to a pub and got her shit-faced. Fred came and picked him up from the pub, and when they got into his van, Rose beat her and said, did you think you could be my friend? And then they both sexually assaulted her. What the fuck? Yep. So, in... Like, my brain, I, I can't comprehend. I know. All of the shit that they're doing. I know. So, that started when, like I said, Anne-Marie was eight. So, that was like September of 72. So, in October of 72, they hired a 17-year-old named Carol Owens to be their nanny. They picked her up one night because she, she, she was hitchhiking. And so, they picked her up. She had gone to visit her boyfriend. She hated her stepfather. So, she was just looking for some part-time employment. So, they hired her. You know, because she could live there. Because, you know, they had the upper two floors. They said, we'll take you home every Tuesday so you can visit your family. And so, she was like, I'm down. She shared a room with Anna Marie. And so, while Caroline was working there. Wait. Caroline? I thought her name was Carol. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. It's Caroline. I fucked up (laughs) earlier. Imagine that. You just knew her as Carol. Look, we are. She calls me. (laughs) She doesn't. She's dead. Damn. (laughs) Okay, so Rose is a sex worker. She tells Caroline that she's a masseuse, and that's why these men are coming and going. Typical. Fred is apparently a skilled abortionist at this point and told her that he was available should she ever need his services. Wow. He was, they were very like overtly sexual. In front of her and to her and just made her very uncomfortable. And so she said, look, I don't want to work here anymore. Like, when you take me back Tuesday, I'm going to stay there. So. Never do that. You just don't tell leave. Mm-hmm. Just leave. Yep. And so they were like, okay, hmm, let's formulate a plan. So because they knew that she would hitchhike along this one street, they were like, okay, let's abduct her. So they said they were going to, like, like let her go and then, like, abduct her later. So this is just a game. Absolutely. Like, they're going to get their rocks off some way, somehow. Mm-hmm. So they ended up, this is in December, lure her to their car, being like, look, we're going to, you know, apologize. We'll give you a lift. Like, we feel really sorry for everything that happened. And so she was like, oh, well, maybe she just, you know, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe they're not so bad. This is deja vu of that duo. Mm-hmm. Of those two girls that they picked up mm-hmm. at the fair, I believe, where, like, that same thing happened. Keep listening. So Rose was like, I'm going to get in the back seat with you. Let's have a girl's talk. Well, a girl's chat while Fred drives. I think that was how it happened, too. So then... Rose starts to molest Caroline. Oh, my gosh. Fred starts asking her if she had sex with her boyfriend that night. When Caroline starts to tell them to stop, Fred stops the car, tells her that she's a bitch, and punches her until she's unconscious. Holy Then, I know, then Rose bounds and gags her with a scarf and duct tape. Then they gave her some tea that was drugged. And then gagged her again, and then assaulted her for, like, a long period of time. Oh, my gosh. Bless her heart. So, a lot of other detailed sexual assaults and just shitty things happened 
to Caroline that I'm not going to go into. Because if you want to know all the gory details, it's on the internet. But basically, she realized that this was not going to stop. The more she resisted, the more that they got pleasure from it. And so she quit resisting. So the next morning, one of the kids, like, knocked on the door because she, like, heard Caroline screaming. And, like, the night before. And so they locked Caroline into the cellar because they were going to let, like, their friends and all abuse her. And so... They had the balls to ask Caroline, would you um, return to work here as a nanny? And so she was like, okay, this may be my way out. Like, if I yeah. say that I'm going to work w- for them, maybe they'll get me out of a cellar and I can escape. Yeah. And so she was like, sure. And so she had gone to a laundromat with Rose. And when she got there, she ran. And she got to her house. When she got to her house, she was too ashamed to tell her mom what happened. But her mom saw all these bruises on her and started asking her, like, what happened? Yeah. And so she finally told her mom what happened. They immediately reported to the police. The West, remember how I said before they were, that they were charged with, like, assault and all of that? Yeah. It was this case. So... They arrested them, charged them with assault, indecent assault, actual body harm, and rape. So at this point, they're about to go to trial, and Caroline is just, she's like, I can't testify. And so she doesn't testify, and so the charges are reduced, and they pled guilty to indecent assault and causing actual body harm. They were only fined. When Caroline heard that they only got fined and were able to walk away from court, she attempted suicide. Gosh. She was not successful. Thankfully. I know. Bless her heart. So three months after their assault trial is when they committed their first known murder. Wow. The victim was 19-year-old Linda Goh. She was a regular visitor of a couple of their male lodgers. And so she moved into the house. And then just like a day later, the other tenants were told that she had to leave because... She had hit one of their kids. Oh, shit. And so that's just kind of the story that was repeated. hmm Well, they ended up finding her body, dismembered. The jaw was completely wrapped in adhesive and surgical tape, like, to silence the screams. Oh, my God. Two small tubes had been inserted into her nasal cavities <gasps> to allow her to breathe while she was, like, completely taped up. It is... Thought like how these sections of clothing, like fabric, were on her is thought that they that she had been suspended from holes that were carved into the wooden beams in the ceiling of the cellar. So her body was dismembered. She was missing five cervical vertebra, her patella, and a lot of her finger bones. They love the fingers and the patella. Mm hmm. And all that was later found in a pit underneath the garage. Then, 15-year-old Carol Ann Cooper was abducted in November of 73. She had been at the movies with her boyfriend and was waiting on a bus when they think that she was dragged into Fred's car. Again, she was bound with surgical tape, her arms with some cloth. She was taken back to their house on Cromwell Street. She, too, was suspended from the beams and abused in all the ways that we know how they abuse people and murdered. And dismembered. Mm-hmm. She died from strangulation slash asphyxiation. Her body, too, was 
dismembered and she was buried in like a small shallow grave in the cellar over the next 17 months four other victims um were killed the same way uh you know what they don't have skeletons in their closet they have it in their cellar damn (laughs) so each one of the graves had more shit in it that they were like okay well this kind of shows us that they were getting like they were escalating they each one suffered more abuse they murdered 18-year-old Juanita Mott in 75. Then he put concrete over the floor of the cellar and later made that a bedroom for his oldest child. Wow. So, wow. yeah. So then they say that they were kind of on hiatus until the 1978. Murdered an 18-year-old that was staying with them named Shirley Robinson. She came when she was pregnant with a baby boy. Oh, gosh. Rose herself was pregnant at the same time. And so, Rose, this she whew, she initially said that the child that Shirley was carrying was Fred's. Oh, my God. Like, she, like, boasted about this to her, to the neighbors. Meanwhile, wow. these neighbors were probably, these motherfuckers. Oh, my God. These neighbors better be glad that they're still alive. Yes. So, she had a big old resentment towards her. I don't... I from I don't think that was his kid. I mean, from it all all roads point to she was pregnant when she got there. Yeah. But either way, Rose was jealous of Shirley and they murdered her. Wow. Her they buried her in in the garden. She was dismembered, but there weren't those restraining devices found like everybody else. So, they think that, like, okay, this one didn't have the sexual motive that all the other ones do. This one was actual, like, pure jealousy. Yeah. Versus all the other ones. They told everybody that she had just relocated to live with her father in West Germany. The final murder that they're known to have committed was in August of 79. It was a 16-year-old named Allison Chambers who had run away from a children's home. Gosh. She was going to be the living nanny. Don't be a living nanny. For real. Her body was also buried in the garden. Same thing. Dismembered. Did she have the restraints? No. She didn't have, like, the striations and stuff that the other ones did. Okay. Anna Marie ended up running away from home in 79. And so, after she left, Heather and May, who were Rose's and Fred's kids together, Mm -hmm. became his focus. Oh, gosh. So, Anna Marie ran away from home. Listen, this is what the final straw was for her. She had been in the hospital for a miscarriage. She had had an ectopic pregnancy. A couple of days after she got out of the hospital from that miscarriage, Rose was beating her in her stomach. Oh, my gosh. Rose is ruthless. Yep. So, at this point, especially when those both Heather and May hit puberty is when, like, Fred... Went balls to the walls. He said that, I made you. I can do with you what I like. And then, I know. They also said that he, like, his intentions were to get them pregnant. Yeah. Like, his big thing, too, was that that a daughter's first child should be their father's. Mm, That's not how this works. Nope. So, they had a brother named Stephen. And so, what they would do was, like, the the three of them had, like, a pact that... None of the, neither one of the girls would ever be alone in a room with their dad without Stephen 
because he wouldn't rape them if Stephen was there. Wow. They also started only showering or undressing if their dad was gone. And one of the other sisters, like, was, like, stood guard at the door. Wow. How terrible is that? So then, poor Stephen, his dad told him that by the age of 17, he would have to have sex with his mother. What? Yep. Heather was always trying to get out of the house and find ways of applying for jobs. Like, she was always trying to find ways to get out of the house. And one day, she disappeared. And long story short, Fred and Rose kept changing the stories about where she actually was. The kids were like, oh, well, we need to report to the police that she's missing. And they're like, yeah. no, 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 you don't. And, like, change the story. And I'm like, she's involved in a credit card scheme. Like, don't, oh don't, don't report her missing. Like, so... In the years following, like, when the kids would do something that Fred didn't like, he would jokingly say, like, don't do that or you're going to end up under the patio like Heather. Oh, my God. Yeah. Then they ended up building a barbecue pit, like, just opposite of where Heather was actually buried under the patio. Whoa. Yep. These people are so morbid and deranged. So, flash forward to May 1992. Fred asked his 13-year-old daughter to bring some bottles to a room on the first floor of their home. The Rose wasn't home, but just after that, her siblings heard her yell, No, don't. And then when they found her, she was writhing in pain, bawling that her dad had raped and sodomized her with those bottles. Oh, my um, god! And then at one point, he was strangling her. What the fuck? When her mom got home... The daughter confided in Rose, like, oh, my God, this happened to her mom. And her mom was like, oh, well, you were asking for it. Oh, my God. She was raped on three more occasions. Rose was there for some of it. And then, like, she would, when her daughter was, like, bleeding on the bathroom floor, she was like, well, what did you expect? Fred filmed them. Oh, my gosh. Bless these kids' Mm -hmm. hearts. They have no safe space. Can you imagine how... Just distraught she was and confided in her mom, wanting compassion, and just got blame. And uh, But I also wonder, like, how did she not know that was happening to her other siblings? True. So, a few weeks after it happened, all that happened, she ended up telling her, one of her close friends, what happened. Her close friend told her mother, and then her mother's friend called an anonymous tip to the police. Thank gosh. So on August 6th of 1992, the police searched their house on the pretext of searching for stolen property. They found 99 pornographic videos, homemade and commercial made. Just 99. Couldn't get that perfect Mm -mm. 100. Mm -mm. The daughter did make a full statement. Good for her. Stating that, like, it started when she was 11. All the children were put into foster care the next day. All examined. They said that their father and their mother did it. So they charged them with a bunch of different shit. While they were awaiting trial, Rose was actually granted bail on the condition that she didn't contact her kids or her husband or her stepdaughter before the trial. While Fred awaited the trial, he denied any wrongdoing. Anna Marie called the police and told them everything. 
Apparently, even Heather had talked to Chris, who was Anna Marie's husband, like to tell him how bad everything was. Wow. So they had his like a outcry statement, basically. The case started to collapse because Anna Marie and May didn't want to testify. Because they were she was scared they were scared that Rose was gonna retaliate, that they were gonna, you know, yeah. She was going to do all the shit she's been doing to them for decades. Right. And so they kept telling them, too, though, that their mother, Raina, their half-sister, Charmaine, like, they were all missing. Right. So, okay. The West were acquitted of all of those charges. What? The youngest kids stayed in foster care, but they were allowed supervised visits. They, Fred and Rose would, like, stay with family members that they had convinced like that they weren't guilty of that, that, Oh, it's just blah, blah, blah. The police start realizing too, that Heather's missing too. And they're trying to start put all these pieces together. So Fred was like, okay, I'm going to go and I'll tell them, like, I'll be a witness to the police to tell them, you know, where she is. And then I'll be home. That kind of thing. What a jackass. Mm -hmm. And then the police found out that they had that joke that you're going to be buried under the patio like Heather. Yeah. And so... They excavated? Mm-hmm. So, when they were looking, they kept, like, they kept seeing them, like, looking towards the garden from their kitchen window. So, Fred told his son, Stephen, take care of your mom, sell the house, I've done something really bad, I want you to go to the papers and make as much money as you can. Oh then my when gosh. I know. When the police came back to look for the body... Long story short, they ended up, you don't care about all those details. They ended up finding bodies and arrested them. Okay, eventually, Fred and Rose were both brought to court in June of 1994. He was charged with 11 murders, and she was charged with nine. Shit. So, while they were awaiting trial, on January 1st of 1995, Fred West killed himself by wrapping a rope around his neck from made from a blanket that and tags he had stolen from the prison laundry, tied him around his neck and attached him to the door handle and the window and then like you know, hanged himself that way. Wow, again a fucking coward. There was a long suicide note that I'm not reading because good riddance. Rose went to trial. They tried to say that she wasn't really involved. And then that, I know. And then that, okay, she was involved, but it was only because she had to. But there were seven weeks of trial and they found her guilty. Yes. She was found guilty on all counts and she was sentenced to life in prison. And she is still in prison to this day. Oh, gosh. After the arrest and the, you know, the convictions and all of that, some of the West kids were given, like four of them, were given new identities just for their protection. There was a whole other guy that I'm not talking about that, like, recruited for him. He got in trouble. Fred's younger brother, John, hanged himself, too. Like, this was just, like, a whole big clusterfuck of people that I'm not going into because it's a long enough story on its own. Just know that we know that I'm skipping some. This could be a whole freaking podcast. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, there's a, like, a whole, like, a bunch of different, like, ser- like not series, but a bunch of different shows and books by Anna Marie 
about like how she grew up and all this stuff. So she's like wow. turned lemons into lemonade and has yeah. you know writing about her experiences and that sort of thing. So that is the story of Fred and Rose West. Wow. Long as fuck. Oh, entangled and just lots of people, lots of issues, lots of horrible sexual assaults and unimaginable to their own children. Like fuck you. Yeah. And then he couldn't even face the music. Right. Because when cuz I hate to say, like, he took the coward's way out because I don't feel that way about all suicide. Yeah, but it's with this. That's his nature. He can beat on women and he can do all that. But when someone brings it back on well, him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like beat on anybody. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I just feel like he's, yeah, he's a piece of shit and he couldn't face the music. Mm-mm. Yeah, so I hope yours is a little lighter. I don't know if it can be because it's about ghosts <laughs> and shit. But maybe it will be. It actually is a lot lighter than that. Thank God. I'm so glad I went first. Okay. Picture it. You want a romantic weekend with your boo. You hear about this charming bed and breakfast. It's located in Guthrie, Oklahoma, which is the central part of the state about 30 minutes north of Oklahoma City. Okay. You pack your bags. Some special toys. You know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Because you know they probably have some, like, bedpost. Mm-hmm. You know. And I did write, just don't go all Gerald's game on us. It's uh, Stephen King's. I know you haven't seen it. But it's a Stephen King's. Why am I adding plural? I'm 80. Um, <laughs> Stephen King movie. Well, it was a book movie on Netflix. It's the one where it, like, the whole degloving thing. <laughs> gotcha. People, my peeps that listen, they'll understand. Also, here's another little tidbit. You might actually be able to book on a weekend where they have a murder mystery whole weekend. Yes. Sign it, me up. <laughs> right? So, of course, in Donna fashion, I said... So you can basically play Clue with your boo. Oh, my God. Clever, though. I mean, that should be her freaking tagline. Mm -hmm. You're welcome. Okay, so where is this amazing weekend going to take place? Oklahoma. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's called the Stone Lion Inn. I don't know why. It's got a lion made of stone outside of it. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) I don't have a boo to go to go with, so, you know. Damn. I'll be your boo. (laughs) Okay, so it's been restored, and it said that visitors of the inn can experience the life of the people who lived in this mansion, complete with servants. Yes. Or can we just call them waitstaff? Oh. (laughs) But, yeah, and, like, some of these people live on... The property. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I respect all people, but I wouldn't mind having somebody do stuff for me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I was talking to one of my coworkers, and I was like, I need, if I won or came into a lot of money, I would have a driver and a chef. 
Those are the two things. Yes. Like, please. Absolutely. I can play Candy Crush all the time. <laughs> I'm just like, drop me off at the front, let me run in here, do my shit, buy my spooky town. I was about to say, buy all of the decorations at Michael's and Joanne's. <laughs> Get in there, you unload them. Mm-hmm. Hell, I'll unload them. No, you unload them. Actually, yes, you, Carrie, unload them. <laughs> <laughs> and just have a chef. And I was like, it, they don't even have to like come every day. They can meal prep. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just saying four hours a fucking Sunday, help us help a girl out. I mean, is that too much to ask? <laughs> so, come on, lottery, magically let me win because I don't even have a ticket. Okay, so since we're not there, we're back here talking about a mansion. So, it has rooms upstairs a library and a parlor on the first level. It said that dinner can be enjoyed in the oak panel dining room and the cook can be seen preparing meals in the 200-year-old French kitchen. Dang. And it can also seat 10 people. Now that's fancy. Mhm. It said that it has like features like leaded glass bookshelves. Leaded glass? Mm-hmm. What the hell is that? You know, like the front doors, the fancy schmancy front doors. Like I'm, with like ironwork? Yeah, but it's the the thick glass that has like the, like take the ironwork off. Mm-hmm. It's the glass in there. It has like the designs in it. Mm. Okay. That's too fancy for me. I had to Google it. <laughs> It has an an atom staircase, bathrooms with clawfoot tubs. Oh, give me the tubs. Mm-hmm. Three fireplaces and huge pocket doors. <gasps> so I'm beautiful. like, oh my gosh, dream. But not so much since this is in your story. Right. <laughs> this is why I would never buy an old house like this because mm-hmm. of everything I'm about to say. Before we get into more spooky stuff... I'm going to talk a little bit more about how wonderful this is. Because if you want to go stay here, it sounds freaking dreamy. You had me at Clawfoot Tub. Right? The grounds have pecan trees, flowers, and lilac bushes. That sounds like I'd sneeze. (laughs) And a gazebo where you can mess with the squirrels. Like, they'll come up and eat. Um, dream. I was going to say... I'm surprised you hadn't looked up to buy this right now. Right? So, every morning, guests can wake up to freshly pressed coffee. Yes. Mm -hmm. Strawberries and blueberries and rum cream, muffins, and Canadian bacon. Well, that sounds yummy. I'm like, (laughs) please? Does the ghost make it? If they can make that, you come haunt my house. Don't you put that shit in the universe? If they can make that shit... (laughs) I love it when you get high pitched like that. <laughs> well, you know, when I'm, don't play with my emotions. Food. Canadian bacon. <laughs> don't play with my Canadian bacon. Maybe Food do. in Spooky Town. Mm hmm. She is the mayor of Spooky Town and the alderman of Canadian bacon. <laughs> I really just more like the muffins, you know, carbs. True. Okay, so it was built in 1907. By Mr. F.E. Houghton. I heard it pronounced many different ways. Okay. 
He built it for his family. The mansion is 8,000 square feet. Holy shit. Has four floors. And at the time of the completion, it cost $11,900 and was the most expensive home in Oklahoma. What year? Do we know? 1907. Oh, I'm sorry. Shit. Mm-hmm. He built the house right next door to the one they had already outgrown. This is why they needed an 8,000-square-foot house. They had 12 children. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I don't even have 12 friends. <laughs> Just kidding. So, 12 children, including one named Augusta. And she was known as a very playful child. And her games and toys were mostly confined to the third floor. They were in this box that was, like, built into the closet. Okay. I will say that Taps, Ghost Hunters, Mm -hmm. you know, the OGs, they found that Augusta had lived a long life because they say that this Augusta died, but... It's now thought to be Irene because Irene was on their census, census, census. Oh, oh, like like the Census Bureau census. Uh-huh. Okay, on one year, and then the next year she wasn't, and then like in another picture of them, it was like the two children born before her and the two children born after her, and she wasn't in that picture, so. They're saying that it's Irene and not Augusta. Like, I don't know how they got Augusta. Hmm. I have no idea, but I just want to throw that out there. So, again, it's just one of those things. Back in the day, records were hard to mm-hmm. really pinpoint shit, you know? So, okay, anyway. Tragedy struck, and the little girl was eight years old. Oh, God. And she contracted the whooping cough. Whooping cough. Is that old for a child to con- to get that? I have no idea. I thought it was mostly like infants and elderly. I have no idea. But this left her bedridden. Oh. And it said that because medicines in that day were often laced with opium and codeine, she died of an accidental overdose. Oh, shit. But some say she died because the nurse, which was a servant you know Mm -hmm. not you know what i mean like a nurse maid yeah she gave her the wrong medicine oh gosh so of course he was distraught over losing his little girl but they continued living there and they moved sometime in the 1920s so in when they moved out in the 1920s it was leased as a funeral home uh it was known as smith funeral home (laughs) clever real real basic there so the house actually stayed in that same family until 1986 and it was purchased by becky luker so she had two sons and she was like we are gonna make this place back to what it used to be and we're gonna be the first bed and breakfast she didn't know all the history not that it was a sword history like we've had in the past where it's been just like tragedy after tragedy right but she didn't know it was a funeral home or anything and there's an embalming table that is 
she has like welcome drinks on. No. Now, but she didn't know it at the time. But yeah, it's an embalming table from the funeral. And so now she just has it there. Yeah. And, but it's like, oh my gosh. Like, oh, let me get me a Coke. Someone I love that that's the welcome was, drink that you yeah. go to. Oh. <laughs> Most of you were like, give me some champagne. Give me a, <laughs> like a cocktail. You're like, I mean, she had Coca-Cola. Like Coke, tea. That's so funny. Uh, I'm not, I'm not fancy. So soon after moving in, they began her, her, they began her. How did she not know it was a funeral home before? She's not from there. Yeah, but I feel like that that's like, I mean, I, how though? Like, I know the owner before me and the owner before that. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? Know. Okay. So soon after moving in, the family began hearing some strangeness. It was like feet pitter-pattering down the stairway at night. It'd go up and down. So after a few times of this, not being able to like pinpoint why this is like, I hear someone going up and down the stairs. Mm -hmm. My kids say it's not them. Someone's here. So she called the police. They found nothing. So they're like, okay. It's not someone, it's something. Right. So, that is one of the most haunted places of the house. It's the back staircase where they heard all of the movement. And the hours that it's heard between is 10 and midnight. And on the third floor is where uh, her son, Grant, kept all his toys in that built-in cabinet yeah and they would put them away neatly each night and she would take them all out yep and so they're like all right and she's like grant pick up your fucking toys he's like mom but i did exactly and so she's like all right i'm gonna lock this fucking door so she put a lock on it nope still would come out so there was no way that he could have got that right so, after living in the house for some time, the Lukers were visited by some of the Houghton family. Like, they're elderly yeah. now. But they said that what they're hearing, the pitter-pattering, is their sister. Because when the adults would go to bed, they would all sneak up that back staircase and play with the toys. Oh. And it would be between... 10 and Ten. midnight. Oh, God. Also, Effie Halt Houghton, he's been seen many times throughout the house huffing and puffing on his pipe. Aw. Mm-hmm. So, Becky and her two sons lived there on the property while they were renovating all of this. And she has a business partner named Michelle Smith. And she lived on the property as well. She said that one time she was locked in the basement while doing laundry. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. Nope. Mm-mm. And then it happened several times after. But she Mm-mm. said, the first time I was doing laundry down there and the door locked on me. I sat down there for a while before someone came home and heard me. It happened a couple more times. But I remembered to use another exit. I forgot about the first time whenever it happened again. What? I, mm-hmm. I propped things up against the door so it won't happen again. There was another door out and she forgot. Uh-huh. This bitch sound like me. No, she sounds like me because I panic 
full-blown panic mode on anything. Carrie got in a wreck, and I was like, I can't open the door. I can't open the door. She's like, it's locked. Unlock it, Donna. I was like, "Ah." (laughs) (laughs) I know. We call that, like, when one of us, one of my sisters, when we panic like that, we're like, okay, Trisha, because that's what my mom does, like. She can't find her wallet in her purse for, like, two seconds. And she's like, oh, my God, where did I leave my wallet? Oh, my God, my wallet is lost. Oh, here it is. Okay, Trisha. That is funny. Okay, so another story is her, Becky. With a good hair. Mm-hmm. And Michelle, her business partner, they're like, this is doing good. We're going to do a second bed and breakfast because, you know, more the merrier. So, it was right down the road. It was called the White Peacock. And while they were acquiring that, a rancid smell developed on the first floor of the Stone Lion Inn. Hmm. And so, they scrubbed the floors, used bleach on everything, but the stench was still there. It was a mouse dead in the wall. (laughs) So, Michelle was like, look, Becky... I know you are still on the fence that we have ghosts and all this shit, but I think you need to sit down here and tell the house, like, we're going to still be here, but we're acquiring another house, but we're going to still live here, you know? So she said she did, and after that, the smell went away. So like I said, Becky is, well, Becky was still a skeptic. And then more and more of her customers would come and be, you know, have these stories that were unexplainable. So she decided to do her own kind of little test where she would test lighting in different angles and try to recreate stuff just, you know, to be like, oh, no, it's the train that passes at midnight and blah, 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 blah. So she said one of the one of these people had pictures and it was a couple sitting in a chair in the living room during the murder mystery night and it looks like a head is rising from in between them with a hat on and she said it looks like it's a man with shoulders mm-hmm. it's kind of fuzzy but like you can pinpoint that out right doors open and close as Per usual, but this is different because it will open and close in a sequence. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of like when they say, well, if I was a professional, I would know the term, but it's like that uneducated haunting, not uneducated, oh, but um, you, you know what I mean? Like a passive thing where it's just like it goes through kind of like on a schedule. Unintelligent? No. No. Whatever. Damn. What's it called? I don't know. Somebody will tell us. Creep Mom, I'm sure knows. But anyway, you know, like, I feel like it's one of those kind of things where it's not threatening at all. It's just doing it and doing it and doing it well. Sorry. So, Michelle said that she has some children of her own, and when they would stay there with their Ebony, her daughter, was five, and she would be the only one upstairs playing by herself. And one time she, like, heard 
you know, something. She was like, what are you doing up there? She said, I'm playing with a girl. And she's like, what girl? Right. Like, no one's up there. You are the only one. She's like, yeah, she only plays upstairs, though. Mm -mm. She said that later, Ebony was getting irritated with Michelle's brother, so her uncle. And he just kept, like pestering her and stuff and she said if you don't behave mama red is gonna whoop your butt well she is michelle's deceased grandmother who passed way before ebony was even thought of damn and she's like how do you know mama red and she started explaining what she looked like and it's just like there's no way she could have known right like she sees ghost damn here's the, here's what gets me. So some of the guests, they say they have had a childlike figure tuck them in at night. No. They've complained about noisy children jumping and down, jumping up and down on beds, even though there would be like no children in the inn. Mm-mm. There's a wooden ball that will roll. Like, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. And it would roll through the floors and stuff. So it'd be echoing. And here is what chills me to the bone. Little girls giggling. Mm-mm. I'm like, no. Broad daylight, kids giggling, cute. Mm-hmm. Nighttime, lights out. Be quiet. Not cute. Real scary. Mm-hmm. They say Irene, you know, or a.k.a. Augusta, the mm-hmm. little girl, she likes to pat the guest face while they sleep. And, like, they'll just feel, like, cup in their face. Yeah. She will either, I mean, she will also tug on their feet. And she's been known to take naps on one of the beds. And, like, they'll see an indention, like a child size indention and some people say that they have seen her and she just looks confused and like look like she's looking for her mother poor thing god i know they say a male apparition has been seen in the basement some of the maids have seen a male entity in a tall top hat dressed in an old-fashioned black suit Hanging out by the heating system. Just like at the murder mystery, the top Mm -hmm. hat behind them. Yep. And, again, like, they have a no-smoking policy, but they will smell, like, cigar smells Mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Which, again, they say is Effie Houghton. Horton hears a who. Mm -hmm. One night, a guest went to bed and left the light on the ceiling fan on because it, like, would not turn off. And when she was just like, fuck it, going to bed, close my eyes, she said she felt like a heavy presence on her chest. And it was like that it climbed up on the bed and then climbed up on her and had that pressure. But the kicker is then the light turned off (gasps) and like the pressure was gone. She went to bed. It was like a little, you know, like a little kid climbing up and Mm -hmm. then like, oh, let me get that. And, but I'm like, okay, if you can do things I'm too lazy to do. No, still no. Mm -mm. (laughs) Items will be moved around in rooms. It'll be completely in a different room. Which one. 
leave my shit alone. Don't make me have to move stuff. Look. Yes. I like, mean, no. Donna even wants a ghost to turn the light out for her. We ain't trying to move shit. <laughs> right. Becky said that one of her guests came out and was like, I heard this music box playing all night long. And Becky's like, we don't have a music box mm-hmm. or anything that would make, like, you know, the music box. Why would you noise. have that in a hotel yeah. that makes noise? So, Becky, even though she says she was a skeptic for a long time, mm-hmm. she still would, like, have her sons with her all the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, uh, yeah. She said that Grant, he was about 14, and the front door kept slamming shut, and he kept opening it back. And so, he put, like, an old iron in front of it to hold it, and it was pushed out of the way, and the door slammed shut on its own. Dang. So... This is known as one of the most haunted houses in Oklahoma. So, of course, a lot of local people, like I said, Taps, Mm -hmm. they were there. So, there was an Oklahoma Paranormal and Research Investigation Team, and it's called Ghouly Ghost Haunts of Oklahoma and Urban Legend Investigations. Damn. Mouthful. Right. So, they've investigated. They've all had results. Usually, EVPs, you know, electronic Mm -hmm. voice phenomenon. Phenomena. Phenomena. (laughs) Usually, a little girl's voice and sometimes an older man. Cold spots throughout the end, which, again, just goes with all the hauntings. Like, all the general shit that usually happens, happens here. Right. So, that Oklahoma Research Paranormal Investigation, mm-hmm. one of the leaders is named Christy. And she said that most of their findings happened on the second floor of the inn where all the guests sleep. So, on one of their investigations, she was like, went in, and you know how they talk to the spirits. She she said, to the spirits that are present here in the Stone Lion Inn, we're back again. And while she was speaking, their detectors like started just like popping off and everything. Mm-hmm. And it's like it was completely silent before. Dang. So they were like, Yay! <laughs> Golf clap. <laughs> they're like, Ah, oh, fuck, I'm tired. No, they're like, My friend's back. My friend's. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> so one of the cameramen. He is filming, and then he swings the camera over to an empty hallway. And so Christy's like, did you feel something behind you? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? And he said it felt like when someone comes up on you really fast to, like, pull a prank. That's what he felt, like someone was right behind him, extremely cold. And then, like, he had goosebumps. All of his hair was standing up. Mm -mm. And so, while Christy's looking at him, and he's looking down the, like, she's looking down the hallway where he just said that someone did that. And she saw an arm of (gasps) someone, and she's like, someone was behind you. Holy fuck. Yeah. They've had recordings that picked up someone saying, do you hear what they're saying? That would be you as a ghost. Mm. Do you hear what they're saying? What do they want? What? He's whispering. What is that? (laughs) Stop mumbling over there, Joe. (laughs) One said liar. Hmm. And another one said I'm scared. 
I wonder why liar. It didn't. It doesn't seem like any of those ghosts are like. Mm-mm. But you have to also think about it was a funeral home before. So, like, we're not even just talking about the... Oh, true. The, the, the family. family. Yeah. Because it was a funeral home for, like, a long decades. Time. Yeah. So, they had stopped filming this one segment, and that same camera guy saw something out of the corner of his eye. And while everyone else was in the main room, he saw a paper towel roll being, like, tossed in the kitchen. And they could, they didn't have cameras rolling, but they had their sound still on. Mm -hmm. And when they replayed it, because he's like, what the fuck? Someone's playing football with fucking Brawny. (laughs) And so they had captured it on a recorder and they could hear the paper towel hitting the countertop. So another thing with Christy and her team, since a lot of the clients said that the little girl on the third floor... All that nonsense, they were like, let's bring a doll. Which, I mean, I get why, but, ugh, dolls, haunted houses. Yeah, right? No. Couldn't you have brought a ball? Right. So, they put it up there just for, like, a little experiment. Well, while they were going down the stairs to the second one, so they set it up in there. Well, then they did some more stuff, so then they were going back to get the doll And they got the doll. So when they left that room, they had the doll, and they felt like someone was following them. And so they turned around, no one there. But it felt like they were right on their heels, and they said, you know, it's just odd that we hadn't felt that. Went and got the doll from the room. And the kid's like, uh, bring me back my fucking doll. Right. Finders keepers, man. Yeah, she's like, it's not an American Girl doll, but it'll work. I mean... I've been waiting for a new to cut me. (laughs) Oh, God. Another strange incident that occurred. They were eating dinner in the dining room, all their team. And there was an Egyptian sarcophagus in the hallway. Well, it faced forward towards the front entrance. But after a few minutes, they looked up and it was basically facing into the dining room looking at them. So none of them were could have got up because they were all eating. Like there was no one else right. there. And so they're like, what the fuck? Because it's a sarcophagus. It's going to make noise if you move it. Right. And I mean, I'm sorry, sarcophagus, that's just a creepy word all in itself. For real. So they said it's their experience that they have encountered four different ghosts at the stone lion i'm surprised only four with it being a funeral home right she said one is of edward and she encountered him down in the basement on her initial investigation there he told her that he favored cigars and he died of lung cancer he was brought into the stone lion inn when it was a funeral home Oh. Mm -hmm. And he said he did not want to leave because he was loving life. And so that's his last place. He said he does get bored. And from time to time, he likes to mess with the females who visit Stone Lion. Damn. Mm -hmm. You would love this. He loves to play with their hair. Yeah. Sign me up. Hey, look. (laughs) If it was, if, if that ghost was here. I'd be like one of those girls that married a ghost. (laughs) Yeah. 
Oh, my gosh. He had me at play with my hair. Right? He does like to, like, run up on them. You know, like. Well, and you know, I think getting scared like that is funny as fuck. Yes. And so, he just likes to startle them real quick. Then, I guess he plays with their head. Sour Patch Kid. This guy is my soulmate. <laughs> I love scaring people. You love ghost dick. I, I all dick. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's funny. She said that she always brings Edward a cigar when they visit. I just thought that was sweet. And yeah, they also nice. see the little girl. She said that she was fond of dolls and tea sets. And she does like to follow them around when they're there. Mm-hmm. Right on their heels mm-hmm. like a damn kid. She said that she gets lonely sometimes. So when she loves that the people stay there. Which is why she tucks them in. Oh, yeah, for sure. Pats on their face. Like, I can just see that little, little kid, kid doing yes. that. Again, cute when a little kid does it. When a little ghost kid does it in the middle of the night, not so cute. But if, you, if you're if you expecting it, is it cute, though? No. Or is it still just as scary? It's still just as scary. Still fucking scary. Because when is a little kid ghost that's sweet really ever a little kid ghost that's sweet? Right. Exactly. They said there's a young woman there, too. She has long, dark hair and always is really sad. What Christy said is she feels like she suffers from depression. She did say that her name was Elizabeth, and she lost someone very close to her. She also had told them that her family wasn't happy with her, and they didn't want anything to do with her. Oh, my God. Yeah, she said that her sister was the only one who would accept her. And what Christy said in her interactions with Elizabeth is that it felt to her like she had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, you know? Yeah. And she said that she thinks she had lost her baby, which is what, you know, she's lost someone special to her. And so she was outcasted by her family. Oh, God. Even though she lost the baby. Poor thing. Yeah. She... Said that she came to the Stone Line and when it was a funeral home, but she did not tell her how she died. And you know, you're not supposed to ask right. how they died. Right. She said the last one is an older woman named Sarah. She said that Sarah is kind of grumpy and very possessive of the inn. There's always one in the group. Uh huh. She said she acts like the caretaker of the inn. And if there's something that goes on or they change something that she doesn't like, she will let them know. They have caught her voice on audio before, and they have witnessed her throwing things. She died of natural causes and was brought to the Stone Line Inn as a funeral. Not as a funeral home. When it was a funeral home. Okay, so this just reiterated the best times. So if you're looking for... Irene, the little girl, she's, again, back staircase, 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. There's a laughing woman who's often heard around 4 Mm a.m. And Mr. Houghton, he appears randomly. And she said he keeps no schedule but his own. I'm like, that would be me. I mean, he's in retirement. I mean, cut the man some (laughs) slack. So... My bedazzled boom. Oh, shit. But I will now call him Dibbic Douche because he did not open it. Damn. After four fucking live hours. Damn. So 
He's dead to you? He's dead to me. Dibbit douche. Damn. And I put, he and his Scooby-Doo gang investigated. <laughs> I was feeling really salty when I you did were. this. You were. You were like, this motherfucker ain't open the damn box. <laughs> I mean, seriously. I watched a little bit of this, and they were more focused on the owner, Becky, and that she does those murder mystery weekends. And there was this person that had died. I cannot think of his name. I'm sorry. But had died in Guthrie, like not in this house or anything. But she uses him as one of her murder mystery Mm. weekends. Well, his life is so weird. So he was dead. The coroner, I guess, put more embalming fluid or something more that I don't, I can't remember. Sorry. He had his fucking mask on and everything. And I get, you know, hate watching him and I forget what fucking goes on. Yeah. But anyway, he basically became mummified. He looked, I mean, fake, you know, like a fucking mummy. Well, that guy would then charge people to come see the mummy. (gasps) And so people would pay for that. Uh Uh-uh. Then he went on to be circuses, freak shows. Like, people did this. Then, one time, he was being hung in a movie. And it was the thing. People did not know this was a real person. Holy shit. They thought this was, like, a mummy kind of thing. Well, his arm detached because, I mean, years of being moved and shit. And they saw bone in there, and they're like, wait. He real? Like, what is this? It's not hollow? Like, what? Yeah, so then they figured that out. They finally got him back and buried him in Guthrie. So that's one of her things. And they were doing, you know, where they have the, they like, Basically, text the spirit, and the spirit will, like, respond with words. And they were asking about him, and he did, like, hang, homicide, like, all kinds of little stuff like that. So, like, they were more focused on him in the beginning and just her, because Becky is an odd duck. Mm -hmm. and But he makes a mountain out of a fucking molehill. That's the damn truth. Like, he was, like... You scare me. And what? she's like, whoa, you know. Yes. And then he was judging her to have because she has murder mystery weekends. I'm like, um You wanna open a fucking Dibbic Bok, you douche. <laughs> Dibbic Bok. That's what you said. Dibbic Bok, you douche. <laughs> like, you have a haunted museum, okay? Right. And you have a TV show that is you and your your BFFs. Hunting mm-hmm. ghost. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's not a far stretch from the, like, it's a fucking murder mystery. Absolutely. Thing. That's normal. That sounds cool. Like, screw you, Zach. Right. Anyway, everyone's like, yeah, Donna, fuck bedazzled boo. What I'm saying about the mountain out of the molehill, she goes, cut to, and he's like, she scares me. You know, says it to the camera like Zach yeah. Morris. And <laughs> then he goes to the staircase and she's up the stairs. And he's like, whoa, 
that was fast. And she's like, I just walked. And he was like, no, you were like literally just down here. Like, dude, she's not 90. I mean, fuck. And she's clearly real. So she didn't levitate. Right. And he's like, she's scary. Like, oh my God. Well, why? Did he look at the camera and go, very sneaky, sneaky. (laughs) One, I want to be like, does she scare you because she is a successful female? Damn. Donna is over her boo boo. Her boo gave her a boo boo, and now he's the (laughs) Dibbic Bok douche. (laughs) A douche. A douche. A bag. Um, a bag of douche. <laughs> well, he can suck a bag of dicks. Damn. <laughs> well, four fucking hours of my life. You didn't watch all of it. I know I didn't. That, those <laughs> damn witches had me like. Those wha- witches had me confused AF. Yes. Hello, fast forward and delete. <laughs> yes. I'm just going to read over some of the shit. They captured. A door opening and closing by itself. They captured the hang that I talked about when they were talking about that guy that was a oh yeah, mummy. yeah. It said the kid and because I had to. Then they heard noises in most of the bedrooms. And of course Zach hears noises right around him in a bedroom and he probably fucking freaked out and wet That's his funny. pants. Because he's not really a ghost investigator. (laughs) Right? I'm like, okay, you've had like 300 fucking episodes from a little whisper, and you're going to be like, whoa, what? Like, I get that it would always be a little unnerving. Oh, absolutely. let's just be honest here. So, they said that the infrared light in the upstairs camera, it started to be completely drained. And then shortly after that camera that was actually recording, it was knocked over. Oh, God. And it was followed by an anomaly darting away from the camera a few seconds later. So, and I don't think it was a malicious thing. It was more like a little kid. Right. All in all, it's haunted. Mm Mm-hmm. Not malicious, They're not scary. I could handle those. No, Mm -hmm. I couldn't. Let's be honest. I mean, I could handle it enough, but I'll tell you the scariest thing. Okay. In an interview, Becky Luker said she has no TVs in that bed and breakfast. Nope. I'm like, uh, bring me the ghost and bring me a fucking TV. Do you have Wi-Fi? Like, Wait. I mean, what are you supposed to do? Talk to people? Right? That's why they hear ghosts, because they don't have a TV that they kept on to go to sleep. I need white noise. I mean, look. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I was like, wait. Unless you got Wi-Fi. What? Then I can watch forensic files on my phone. <laughs> but I was like, uh, skirt. This Mm-mm. was all sounding real nice until that. Mm-mm. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, that was just a... Yeah, that was easy breezy. I'm very glad, beautiful cover girl. I'm very glad you did that (laughs) after my story. Yes, that was a great juxtaposition. Yes. Okay, so what did we learn? Know who the previous owners of any property you're going to buy, know who the previous owners are. True. Because this girl got lucky. (laughs) Yes. Because it's haunted, but it's nice. Yes. It's like Casper lives there. Mm hmm. Like, I can do that. 
she don't even have his asshole uncles. Right. She just got him. Mm-hmm. Two, this, I feel like we say all the time, but be careful who you trust. And because in this instance, like with uh, the daughter who told her mom. I know. Poor baby. And she got nothing but pure hatred back. Mm-hmm. And it just made the, the situation worse. And it's. Not that she can, I don't know. I'm just thinking, like, be careful who you trust in with the nannies and everything. Well, yeah, the nannies even trusting them yeah. to go live in this house. and Yeah, the hitchhiker know. that was picked up. Like, yeah. just be careful who you trust because looks can definitely be deceiving. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I think it goes back to, to, like, people knowing where you are. Yes. You know, like, we've always... If we have a friend, like I have a friend that if she goes out on a date, like it's like a blind date or something, she would always, or even if it was somebody that she knew, but nobody else knew, like she would send a, send me a picture of them and their contact information. And then if she could, she would get a, like snap a picture of their driver's, I mean of their license plate. Yeah. Like just, just let people know where you are. Like, you know, don't be yeah. so secretive that nobody knows where you are. I know. That's what's so crazy is in this story, but in all of your stories, people go missing and it's just kind of wrote off. I know. Well, a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're part of a marginalized population. Yes. And it's not always taken seriously and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Three. Always sanitize embalming tables when you serve refreshments on them. Mm-hmm. And be prepared for your guests to want a little cocktail, a little Coca-Cola, a little sweet tea, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's pretty standard. <laughs> Forget water. Just give us Coke, tea, and anything cocktail. Sweet. <laughs> sweet. And sanitize that table. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.